0: Um, Just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with monkey tennis.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
3: Aha! DAM! Back in the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Dan! Sorry, uh, that was the noise. Monkey tennis? I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism. More distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello, everyone,
0: and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, as we head into series 11. And you know what they say? If you've got to 11 series, you're about six series past your peak. You probably should have stopped. That's uh, just an ancient proverb that I've read recently. Um, so we are... Dissecting, celebrating all of Alan Gordon Partridge's output. And what we like to do at the beginning of each series is to round up some of you, the listeners, feedback that's come through to us since we finished our previous series. Uh, I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark.
4: Would it be terribly rude to stop listening to you
5: and go and speak to somebody else?
0: Nick Alder. There's no greater pleasure than seeing a bum
5: smile.
6: And Tom Stab. Like a good looking John Merrick, mine was a face that looked
0: really shit. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, we will get into your feedback momentarily thanks to all of you who've got in touch uh, just as a quick recap you can always get in touch with any Partridge theories thoughts, complaints or queries uh, it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com facebook.com slash thepartridgepod on twitter we're at thepartridgepod instagram at monkeytennispod you can leave a voice note on the monkey tennis hotline 07923 600 017 uh, or you can drop us the price of a cup of coffee if you like what we do uh, ko-fi.com slash tennis. thank you so much to all of you that have done one or more than on one of those things uh, before we get to your feedback we need to talk about the elephant in the room which is alan's return to the bbc uh, so at the time of recording here's what we know about this time series two uh, we know that filming wrapped in late december 2020 uh, and we know that on the 14th of april they announced the new series of this time with alan partridge begins on friday the 30th of april at 9 30 p.m on bbc one a new premium weekend slot for the second series there's also a trailer Uh, I presume we've all seen it anybody want to uh, throw down on uh, what they thought about the trailer and crucially what it revealed about returning characters etc do you you want us to run the trailer first for those that haven't heard it
3: let's have a listen
4: okay let's go
2: lime cordial white grape juice and egg white Mm.
3: like poached egg
2: oh no no it's raw
3: god's sake Rosie what you can't eat raw egg please please cook your eggs be safe be egg safe
6: this time with Alan Partridge on BBC One and
4: iPlayer. Okay, be, be egg safe.
6: Well, I mean, wise, word, wise words from Alan. I mean, I, I, two things. One, obviously, nice to see Rosie Witter back. Um, yep. You know, uh, a, a through line from Midmorning Matters. Obviously, not as well viewed as uh, potentially other Partridge, including this time. So maybe the first time a lot of people have come across Rosie Witter. Mm. The other thing is that it's not so much a trailer, is it? To call it a trailer is a bit misleading because it doesn't really tell you anything. It's it's more of sort of like a teaser, I guess. But that's just being being sort of Alan pedantic sort of thing. But yeah, not really a trailer as such.
4: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there, Tom. It There's not really much to build excitement. That is literally, here's 20 seconds of an episode that you're going to see. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great to see Rosie back. But apart from that, I'm like, well, what else is there in store? I I mean, I'm excited, but I'd like to be more excited. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it doesn't tell us much and doesn't it feel a little bit like, I mean, as Tom said, it's not a trailer, it's just a clip that's been catched from an episode. It feels a bit like it's been rushed out, perhaps, made in a hurry, I thought, rather than them kind of, you know, putting together bits and pieces of various episodes or, you know, kind of doing something a bit more involved.
4: I guess that would be true to form with what we know with how uh, everything in the APU works. It's always down to the wire. But then I I was thinking about this as well. I guess it's interesting if you compare the launch of Series 2 versus the launch of Series 1. Of course, the launch of Series 1 felt genuinely massive and exciting. You had loads of press stories about it. Uh, I think, like, you know, a couple of months before, they'd had the 25 Years of Alan, like, documentary. um, You had that kind of, that fake pan bbc email that alan sent round uh to invite to the uh to the screenings you had all the and uh, like like radio trailers and everything he had all these exciting bits about series one because obviously that was alan being back on the bbc being on bbc one for the first time in like 20 plus years whereas i guess this is a bit more like yeah remember that we're just doing that again so i, yeah. I guess it equally just makes sense that there is a bit once you've done those tricks once you can't really do them for a series two
6: to Adam's point that this feels a little bit rushed out, am I right in thinking that this announcement went out on the BBC Press Twitter page and then that clip went live later in the day? So I wonder, or maybe even the next day, I can't quite remember, but I don't think they think went in the same time. think a couple same, of days after. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was the same time. So I wonder if, you know, obviously the announcement was made and then we're like, oh, we better get something out. I don't know. <laughs> but also the other thing is that 9.30 on a Friday Friday's an interesting – that that's mm. traditionally – I always seem to remember the new episodes of Friends and maybe even Fraser as well on Channel 4 yep. used to go out yep. a, on a Friday night. Obviously, times have changed since then and people's consumption habits of media and TV have, uh, have changed since then. So I'm wondering what the thinking is behind that or whether that's literally – that's kind of the only schedule free slot that we've got. I don't know what the thinking is behind that because, again, 9.30, people are out, people are in pubs, especially obviously coming out of lockdown – is it a risky time to put it out, or do no, they not I, care because you've got catch up and night player, etc., cetera, etc.? Well,
4: I, I think there's two things that I, I think this is as much as your point about people being out in big rambling, rambling, rambling yeah. etc yeah um no i think 9 on a friday that is very much that is prime time scheduling like they, okay. they will be very pleased about this um i think it's more like yeah fine people of our age, age group might be like well we're just going to be in a pub at 9 on a friday but i'm pretty sure the the core audience for bbc one is significantly older than we are um so you know they're not necessarily out but i just think in terms of scheduling that is definitely seen as a, a, a prime spot um was the and first series yeah, was Tuesdays? It was, I think it was Tuesdays. Yeah. And, mm. and I think the other thing is also, I, I do think to kind of counter all that, yeah, in a world of iPlayer and streaming, it's like it kind of doesn't really matter. People yeah. will get to it when they
0: get to yeah. it. There is history as well in terms of, yeah, like you say, Friends and Frasier, but even more recently, things like Friday Night Dinner, like that mm. is the mm. big comedy yeah. slot um, yeah. for yeah. a Fair lot enough. of people. Um, and I wonder if it does perhaps suggest that the content of this series is a little more, not like entertainment, but a bit more kind of, Perhaps it's got broader appeal, whereas I think there was a lot of a lot of nuance to Series One that perhaps mm. went over some people's heads. Lots of playing with the format of light entertainment. Maybe maybe there are some kind of bolder uh, bolder topics or kind of bolder jokes in, in this series. Bold Brummies! <laughs> those
5: kind of jokes I wonder if as well it was like when it kind of came back to the BBC it's like well times have changed is it still going to be popular is it still going to be big like I wouldn't say it was a risk as such but it proved itself to be popular so it's almost like reflecting the fact that that first series when it came back to the BBC was big
0: was popular
5: and as such it's been kind of rewarded with more of a kind of primetime slot
0: I also wonder if it's uh, to do with uh, the rate of production of programmes during Covid uh, and lockdown, potentially Mm. if that slowed the production of series, then there are more primetime slots up for grabs for new shows because there are so many repeats flooding the schedules as well.
6: Uh, uh, Also, I wonder what Tony Hares would think of this because the BBC (laughs) finally gave him a second series. He'd be spitting <laughs> in his grave, they did um
4: I also just thought actually it's quite interesting knowing about the kind of the gestation period of this because obviously we spoke to Susanna Fielding last year, and she was telling us that they she was kind of waiting for scripts to come through, and I think were they expecting to be shooting November December, so actually, the turnaround for this has been super quick in comparison to series one because I think when we tracked series one. They'd finished filming and it was nearly a year until that was on air on the BBC. So that, that's interesting. But that may well be part of the uh, kind of an, a knock on effect of, of COVID times.
6: Also, uh, what Susanna told us could have been to fob us off to stop asking difficult questions. <laughs> yeah. There was a way to get she might, it, have, um, she might have already had the scripts for ages and rehearsed and filmed. Yeah. So uh,
4: actually, Tom, now you say that, I think that is actually quite possible because it's a
0: shockingly quick turnaround. Otherwise, we've uh, blown
4: this wide open.
0: So to cover some of the other things that we know and are already public knowledge, obviously Steve Coogan's back as Alan. Um, obviously, Santa Fielding is back as Jenny, and you can hear her talking to us about that on a previous episode. Uh, tim key is back as psychic simon another previous guest of ours uh and lolly Adafope uh self-confirmed on instagram that she's mm-hmm. back as ruth duggan as well so a lot of the key players back for this series um if you go to imdb you can also find there's a reference to chemsex i believe as an episode <laughs> title they've they put it down um so perhaps no a hint- no
4: it's just a, a character is listed um yeah, so I, I don't know who this actor is, but there's an actor listed as Chemsex Party Guest for episode one.
0: Ah, so there <laughs> we That go. is on IMDb, yeah. A tantalising clue. Um, so it's traditional for us before we've uh, gone on and seen the thing to uh, predict something that we think will happen in the first episode. Um, so we're just going to go around and uh, make that prediction and then we'll obviously be back once the episode's aired on BBC One uh, to find out who was right. Um, I'm happy to go first. I actually had two here. One was that a dog will be seen. (laughs) either in VT or live on set. Uh, And the second was that the origins of the tooth lapel pin that we saw Alan wear in series one will finally be revealed.
6: Uh, I'm happy to go next. Um, My prediction is that for some reason, something will happen where... Alan and Jenny unite. They come together to sort of, whether there's a difficult guest or something goes wrong, there's a moment where they unite. There's a core sort of purpose and a core reason for them to join together in order to combat some sort of situation. So I think they will become, maybe not throughout the uh, duration of the series, but in the episode, they will come together for a common goal.
4: So I'm going to predict, I'm going to kind of flip this. So not something we'll see per se. I think they're going to not refer to COVID in any way. So essentially something we're not going to see or hear. Um, I mean, I'm kind of using my detective skills based on the one press shot we've seen. They're very close together. So I just feel yeah. like there's no way that uh, it's going to be like kind of... Uh, Filmed in a fictionalised COVID context, now, but is, also
6: that, I would, is that an episode prediction or is that a series? Well, pre- that a prediction? is a, that is a
4: series wide prediction, right, okay. I guess. but um, There's no
0: COVID in the APU. It has, yeah. it's I, not I, permeated I, the the perimeter of the APU. Yeah,
4: because <laughs> yeah. I just feel like as well, if you want to make ugh, wanky term, but like if you want to make like evergreen content, like particularly of yeah. a sitcom, and in theory, there's no reason why people can't be watching this in twenty, thirty years the same way as they would. I'm Alan Partridge you might not want to ground it in the world of coronavirus because in a few years time, people probably don't want to be reminded of this.
5: Yep, it's point. also kind of very, it's the it's the obvious thing as well, isn't it? And we've seen time and time again that they kind of, you know, the Gibbons don't do the obvious thing and I don't mm. know, it doesn't feel particularly exciting to have COVID in any way part of the story. I also don't think it kind of <laughs> endears people to hearing any more about it. Uh, after such a long time, you're kind of looking forward so, to something other than, than COVID. Um, I'm happy to go next and I remain committed to the idea that we will see or hear uh, more from denise and or fernando as as part of this now i'm not expecting them to be you know fully formed character that comes in in any way but I'm, i'm i'm hopeful that there will be something more um from one or two of those characters in this series
0: super so uh, yes we'll find out whose predictor partridges come true once the series airs on the 30th of april um i believe that's almost everything that we know as of right now about the new series um but if you're listening to this and you want to make some predictor partridges of your own or you've got some intel that you'd like to share about how you think this series is going to develop then uh, please do get in touch um but for now let's head over to tom dark who's going to kick us off with some of your feedback
4: Yeah, thanks Adam. Uh, So yeah, we thought we would uh, kind of collate a few uh, passing mentions of things we've been sent over the past few months that we've enjoyed before we Delve into the more weighty topics of discussion. So, a bit of a rustle through of a, just a few things that we've enjoyed a lot. Um, thanks to uh, Michael, whose uh, Twitter handle he he has messaged us saying for clarification, Horwich is pronounced the same way as Norwich, and I think yeah, we've been getting that wrong. So Horwich bloke nineteen uh, sent us some photos of him drinking from his kitchen planet mug, which I was quite impressed with the detail on this. You've got kind of uh, like brands listed. Uh, I think you've got the like the just off the a 416 on it um just you know you, there are a lot of um a lot of these kind of red bubble etsy type uh people that then make like their own partridge paraphernalia but i hadn't seen a kitchen planet mug before so i was quite impressed with that uh matt horn on twitter sent uh, i love this he sent us a photo <laughs> of a giant foot impaled on a spike in guadalajara <laughs> in mexico and it it's really very it really reminds me of the uh the tattoo of the foot on the yes, spikes yeah. that we've all seen the frank carter um, one yes ex- exactly that um so i think what we'll do we should do a like we'll do a post on socials of a few of these things that we mentioned uh that, that are visual um shelly Raiden uh on Twitter, got in touch saying, "Okay, guys, today I found out that Macaulay Culkin genuinely wrote a people I don't like list in his autobiography. So that's obviously very similar to Alan's list of condemnations in Nomad. Um, Obviously, Alan wrote condemnations there is no one I wish to acknowledge, although there are many I wish to condemn. So, um, I mean, Shelley hasn't given any more context about this, so I'd, I'd like to know more about that. I don't know if she's actually read the Macaulay Culkin autobiography, or if this is something she's been told, um, so I think we'd definitely like more info. I'd be quite keen to, to read that list.
0: I presume the list is just the rubber bandits, and then uh, <laughs> and then his agent after Richie Rich up <laughs> to present day.
4: <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and to, to, two more uh, bits in this section. Uh, thanks to Laura Least Likely to for bringing this partridge style titled show to our attention uh, which is scran with my nan on bbc3 <laughs> uh i enjoyed laura's uh, message it went with this it's just so she's kind of acting out the world of the apu here well it's just a title i mean uh well no uh, uh opening sequence me in trafalgar square feeding the pigeons going oh god and then i uh take my nan for dinner <laughs> i just I lo- i'd like to know more about any of those uh alan partridge style real life tv commissions uh that have that perhaps people have seen i mean that does feel like okay it's a title that rhymes what actually is the program
6: yeah it's it's one of those ones where they've started with a title. it feels like they've started with the title yeah. and work backwards i know um uh accidental partridge on twitter are very good at posting um things that they find or that they're sent mm, mm. um from the world of, of television of, of random and and crazy seeming um uh tv shows we've posted a couple of our own as well including one that we posted in october last year which was (laughs) brilliant sky news tweeted uh uh, they said at 9 45 a.m professor green will be on sky news discussing dna dishes a new culinary project which help which helps which helps people uncover their hidden heritage and discover new dishes based on the results what so that's, that's
4: dna dishes with professor green
6: yes correct mm. and then we've obviously put the picture of alan with his dictaphone next to it
4: what <laughs> <laughs> one, one more bit in this section um is wooter on whatsapp and i think a few other people have pointed this out to us over the last few months as well uh, there is an mep called uh Philippe lambert or possibly philip lambert's so i'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Let's
5: um, go with the first but, one. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, but essentially the uh, same name as the Michelin star chef in Knowing Me, Knowing You, the TV version. Not to be confused with Michelle Lambert, the F1 racing driver from Knowing Me, Knowing You radio, of course. But uh, yeah, just just a bit of fun. Same same name there. Always something to enjoy.
5: Okay. And um, next up, we have um, a couple of thank yous um, to to dish out. So we want to say a big thanks to Pluto Pants, Brett Sterling, Abby, John Leshen, Matt McClellan, Jared McCoy, Stradacab, for your recent co fees. And thanks in particular for these comments. Your podcast really is, whilst not five stars, certainly competitive. That was from Matt (laughs) McClellan. And um, finally, I brought you a coffee each. Uh, I've not got one for Jed, as he hardly ever says anything. So I don't think it's fair that I should have to pay for that. (laughs) If you want to share some of yours with him, that's up to you, but that is no concern of mine. And that was for Stradacab. I think that's completely fair, isn't it? You know, those behind the mic, definitely not contributing to those on the mic i absolutely, I absolutely yeah i absolutely
0: love that but i would challenge stradocab to try and listen to an episode of ours that jed didn't edit first you've been, <laughs> for, you've been there for days and lastly a huge thank
5: you to everyone that voted in the uh, pod bible mag uh, awards um so we were the victors of the oh my pod independent podcast award so we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that voted um it meant a lot so congratulations to uh, us is that fair congrats to us
4: <laughs> I, I think less congrats to us and more genuinely massive massive thanks to everyone that voted like it still blows my mind that this is technically an award-winning podcast yeah just, j- is, just take a mental. moment to absorb that <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely mad and speaking of uh, listener involvement, we, uh, we've we run a few... Actually, I think Nick should probably be lo- leading this bit because it's mm. about a poll.
5: I uh, feel aggrieved.
6: <laughs> we, uh, yeah, this is normally Nick's bag, so no pressure on me. So uh, we, we we ran a poll uh, relatively recently that basically asked um, if you could magic a Partridge project into existence tomorrow, which would you pick? Uh, and the ones that we offered out to people were uh, Mid Morning Matters Series 3, Another Film a second series of the Oast House podcast or another book, an audio book uh, slash audio book, sorry, I should say. Um, we didn't include a second series of this time because obviously, we know that that is coming. That was coming at the time when we put this poll out uh, and also didn't include a third series of Alan Partridge um, of oh, I'm Alan Partridge, sorry, because I think probably people would have just voted for that and, I think, we, I think everyone can be kind of... It's kind of obvious that that's never really going to happen. So um, the, the, the overwhelming victor was uh, Mid-Morning Matters Series 3. You know, as mentioned earlier, probably one of the lesser seen, lesser consumed series, but yet got 52% of the vote. Um, I don't know how the rest of you guys feel about that, a third series of Mid-Morning Matters. Probably not likely to happen given the, given the conceit of where Alan is now and in the BBC, on the gravy train, etc. Um, but I think we've sort of un- unanimously been... Been, been uh, gushing in our praise for Mid Morning Matters as a series.
5: I also think that Mid Morning Matters, well, my own kind of view on why that might be so popular is I remember when it first came out, and obviously we've said this something times on the podcast previously, but I didn't love it when it first came out, but it's been such a slow grower and I do still go back to that. And the idea of seeing a third series of it, not only do I think would work, but I would be really keen and that would be the one that uh, that I would vote for. So I'd be very happy if they ever made a return to North Norfolk Digital, North Norfolk's best music mix. <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: I think I would, out of that poll, it would be Mid Morning Matter Series 3 or another book slash audiobook for me. And I feel like another book slash audiobook is probably more viable of the two of those because yeah. i think they could kind of do anything with that in essence whereas mid-morning matters it feels very much like the gibbons coogan era blueprint is like it's two series of something it works and then you move on and you do something else
0: it, it does raise uh, something that i hadn't thought about in terms of the timeline as well in that you sometimes get flashbacks in current alan projects to previous alan projects but there's always been the idea that whatever you're watching now is what he's up to now as well. And so I guess they can't do a Mid-Morning matter Series 3 while he's reasonably, you know, supposedly on BBC One. But, it does make you wonder. There is a lot of scope, potentially. They could put something out now that purports to be, you know, an Alan Partridge project from the late 90s, for example, or something like that. Um, I doubt they ever would, but it's just interesting. It's an area that they've never really explored. Yep. And some of the
6: uh, Twitter followers came back with what they'd like to see. So Liam Porter said, uh, I went for Mid Morning Matters, but ideally the long mooted travel log series would be the dream scenario. James. Coughlin or Cochlin said, uh, could Steve and the Gibbons realise bouncing back, would read. And Ant Baker said, swallow. Partridge not in it, but his fingerprints all over it would be ace. I'd also accept a TV adaptation of A Chill Wind or A Glowering (laughs) Glass Blower This Way Comes, possibly as sponsored content for Range Rover, Partridge's Hannigan my oh God, you're busty. All, all great <laughs> ideas. And, yeah.
0: uh, I appreciate Ant's, uh, Ant's dedication to Partridge's projects over the years as well. Lots of his, uh, the ones he'd most like to see are ones that have been sort of mentioned very fleetingly. So, uh, yeah, nice digging Ant. Um, on to uh, something that I'm not—I I certainly wasn't aware of. I don't know if anyone else was—that uh, Shelley Raiden got in touch to say, "Did you guys know Coogan was on the Krypton Factor?" Um, I wasn't a big watcher of the Krypton Factor back in the day, no, but same. I have—I have been and watched some of of Steve's contributions um, he basically did a series of two minute sketches um, and the idea was that contestants would answer observation questions based on the scenes that he's acting in uh, they were written by Paul Abbott who went on to write Cracker um, Mr. Lizard 13 also tweeted to say when I decided to watch 1989 era Krypton Factor I wasn't expecting to see Steve Coogan's television debut as uh, Sylvester Stallone in the observation round uh, neither was I uh, fair to say I don't think Stallone <laughs> is an impression high for Steve um, <laughs> <laughs> these are quite good. I mean, there's no glimpse of Partridge in them, really, is there? It's more, it's more him as other characters, but um, but yeah, quite a lot of fun to watch.
4: Yeah, I I, I skipped through a few of these. I've not watched that. The, there's basically there is a YouTube compilation which I think is like, is it like about like sixteen. 16- Minutes long or something of kind of all of them. So I guess at the time, I think this is 1989. So at that point, Coogan's career would have been at a high point in terms of being an impressionist. So he'd have been doing uh spitting image work and I, th- I guess just general stand up work, probably incorporating impressions. So that's kind of what he was known for. And I do vaguely remember watching the Krypton Factor occasionally back in the day, but I mean, yeah, no no concept of Coogan being in them. But I think the thing that has really blown my mind most is that these are written by the same writer as that is mad.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally worlds apart. Um, and also, they, they are they are quite funny sketches, but they're sort of they're sort of lightly funny. I mean, I guess because and it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do, it's it's a section in The Krypton Factor, which is not in and of itself a comedy show. Uh, and also because it's, mm. it forms part of an observation round, there's a certain number of things that have to happen, which, you know, by definition, aren't that funny. You know, like there has to be a certain number of items mentioned or someone s- says a fact out loud. And so I think it's kind of lightly funny, but it's got too much heavy lifting to do to be like really funny in its own right. Uh, quite weird to see Steve Coogan playing uh, Sylvester Stallone
4: Cool, well we now turn to an email correspondence which follows on from our previous feedback episode with uh, discussing Steve Coogan providing a voiceover at the Dolphinarium in Brighton, which we were discussing over email with Daniel Buttress last time round. So Daniel writes, Hello guys, thanks for reading my previous email. I have attached the only article I could locate on Steve Voicing the Brighton wheel. It appears to be a piece berating him and the script writer for a gaffe made during the commentary. The article appears to prove that the voice was that of the actor and not his infamous creation. Although I missed out on taking a ride on the wheel, I would have paid through the nose to hear Alan's take on the surrounding coastal views. So I'll just read you the key bit from the article now, which is from the Brighton Argus. Comedian Steve Coogan voices the commentary on the Brighton wheel, but wrongly tells visitors to look out for the famous, Rhodian school for girls set among the Surrey Downs to the east. Angry residents are upset that the tourist attraction is giving visitors wrong information, as the prestigious boarding school inside the city boundaries is in the South Downs, clearly in Sussex. So that's Sussex, not Surrey. The Alan Partridge comedian should know the location of the school, as he brought Ovingdon Grange less than half a mile away from the school last October. Mr. Coogan's grade two listed home has uninterrupted views of the South Downs towards Rodine. Brighton resident Ben Miller said, and by the way, I love this because I feel like this is one of those things where they've totally made up the quote just to fit the article. I thought it was supposed to be a celebration of Brighton not inaccurate facts from neighbouring counties. The fact that Steve Coogan is well-known for living here makes it worse. Now all the tourists that ride the wheel are going to be misinformed. I mean, who would care that much, right? No one gives um, a shit, do they? Exactly. It's, it, that's a made-up <laughs> quote. Uh, it then continues, Brighton Wheel General Manager Delfo De Silva said... Is that made-up name? What has happened is the scriptwriter put the commentary together and made a mistake. We heard it after it was done. We decided to leave it in there for a bit of fun to see if anybody would spot it.
6: Bollocks! I think that's sure. We got it delivered on a Friday afternoon and we wanted to get down the pub and just couldn't be bothered to do anything with it. You,
4: you didn't leave it in for a bit of fun. You just went, oh shit, it's too late to change it now. Surely that's what happens. Uh, anyway, that, 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 is, for us, that is a bit of fun.
0: Oh, and all of those poor tourists going, yep, we're going to go on the Brighton wheel and then immediately after. Afterwards, we're going to go to the famous road in the School for Girls. Uh, in the, in whole, the Surrey The downs. whole family are so yeah. excited to go immediately and quickly using the correct directions provided by the voiceover by in a cubicle <laughs> on the Brighton wheel.
5: Well, from one comical gaffe to another. Uh, so we have had a tweet in from uh, Darren Evans.
7: And he has
5: pointed out um, a continuity error uh, from uh, I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1. It's the episode where Alan um, is having a chat with Dave Clifton on Valentine's Day. Um, And it's been kind of, um, you probably have seen this as a meme, we've posted it every Valentine's Day, uh, basically where... Alan says to Dave, um, did you get any Valentine's cards this morning? Alan says, actually came down this morning, couldn't open my door. Dave says, lose your key. (laughs) And yeah, you you know the sketch. Anyway, the point being that uh, there is a piece of detail that Darren has called out where basically the Valentine's cards on Dave's side of the radio studio keep changing place. Oh dear, oh dear, Mr. Conter or Mrs. Continuity Person on the set of I'm Alan Partridge Series 1. And from
6: one calamitous error to another. This one, our own doing. Um, so Tom Nean got in touch and he said uh, he got in touch on Twitter and said, hate to do this to you, chaps, but I think you confused descriptions of You Bet and Silla Black's The Moment of Truth. This was in uh one of our last uh, feedback episodes. Um we've got the uh <laughs> so he shared the uh, the 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 opening credits for Moment of Truth quite similar i watched it earlier quite similar to the uh to the intro credits of um knowing me knowing you the tv I thought exactly show exactly that yeah yeah nick i think i think as someone who is yeah. a big fan of those opening credits i think you'll <laughs> appreciate this so we'll yeah. share them on our socials but yeah we did get that get those mixed up so many apologies tom and apologies listeners uh soz no full
5: sorry i questioned i've never seen moments of truth i did watch you bet I mean, I don't think it really matters, but I don't think we got it wrong. just oh, yeah. that Well, well I, 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 li-
4: I, lis- I, I listened back to um, what we said in the episode, Nick, and it was actually it was your description when you were talking about people basically getting a week to go away and like practice something, then coming back. And that does match up with the description of Scylla's moment of truth instead I, of you bet. So I, I think, think you f- did
5: get it wrong. I I stand by the fact I I didn't get it wrong. And I also think there's probably (laughs) two or three other shows where you had to go away for a week and do it. It was like... What was the one with Matthew Kelly where it was like stars in their eyes I, I think there was multiple what? shows stars where stars in their happened. eyes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no recollection of this I think we got it right but let's, it doesn't really matter text okay yeah mm-hmm. I mean may, maybe that's it
4: maybe essentially the premise was, was the same but I think so uh, just for sake of argument Tom you're right Nick you're right Tom you're wrong Nick you're wrong so uh, yeah just edit that however you like and uh, we can continue
0: next up we've heard from James Tuvel thanks for getting in touch James um, who sent us an article um, saying, this is amazing. Perhaps the venue for some inner-city sumo. Bye. Uh, I'll read you the article briefly. Uh, the article reads, Aha Boulevard? Streets to be named after Alan Partridge. Streets on a new housing development at the former Mile Cross Depot are set to be named after Alan Partridge. Last year, he was briefly honoured with a statue in the city centre and is recognised as one of Norwich's most famous fictional sons. But soon, Steve Coogan's timeless comedy character, Alan Partridge, will be immortalised in the city in an entirely different way. It's understood the bungling disc jockey will be popping up in a postcode area. Area near you wants a new development of homes on a former depot comes to fruition, or at least his name will. Norwich City Council is currently in the process of drawing up plans for a social housing development on the former Mile depot, having agreed to move forward with the proposals last year, and we can today reveal that it's decided to pay tribute to the Alpha Papa protagonist by naming one of the new roads after him. Alan Partridge Passage is set to be the main access point to the housing development, which we'll see in the region of 150 new council homes built. Uh, I thought this was very interesting until I clocked the date. Uh, It came out on April 1st. Uh, So yeah. um, Also, if you're going to name something after Alan Partridge, I don't think Alan Partridge Passage. I mean, obviously it's quite funny, but (laughs) no, you'd go for Alpha Papa Boulevard, wouldn't you? (laughs) <laughs> Much
4: more glamorous. <laughs> what I liked about this article as well, because, uh, yeah, I, I didn't... When I initially, like, read the email when it came in, I just wasn't paying attention to the date. But, obviously, later in the day, because of because of the April Fool's kind of rules, so, like, after midday, they'd updated the article basically saying, this is an April Fool's gag, and it's like, yeah, no shit, of course it is.
6: I think that's a shame. I think they should... Uh... I, I consider Norwich City Council to be cowards that they won't name a street or, in mm. this uh, in this instance, a passage, Partridge Passage. Although difficult to
5: say, it's quite a nice name. Are you suggesting that Norwich City Council, Tom, are ashamed that uh, that that Alan Partridge is the only thing that their city uh, is known for? They haven't got the gumption to cover <laughs> more of their road names and.
6: It just show that they're up for a laugh. A bloody yeah. laugh.
0: <laughs> I feel like what would be most fitting is if they named some sort of industrial park after him. Like on the outskirts of Norwich, some kind of uh, three office buildings and a kebab van uh, <laughs> <laughs> set up. Sounds like it's some, some kind of a-
4: Apache Productions type setup. up. Well, or, you know, they could have a bit of fun with it and you could have like Benfield Avenue. I think, I, I don't know, if I That's was a town good. planner, if I was a town planner in Norwich, I would definitely be working on the more subtle ones like that. And I think you'd yeah. probably get away with quite a lot.
0: I'm going to look up Benfield Avenue. If anyone listening to this works in uh, town planning in and around the Norfolk area, please do try and get a name or a tree or a park or something named after a very subtle Adam Partridge reference and then let us know. We would love to have been the spark that lights that fire. There's a a couple. There's Benfield
6: Valley in Brighton and there's Benfield Road in Newcastle-upon-Tyne.
4: It's got to be in Norwich or it doesn't count. I think that has to be the rule. Yeah, fair. Okay guys, I think it's time to turn our ear to uh, the radio airwaves now. We've had a couple of great messages in of, I guess, in essence, people spotting Partridge references in the wild. Uh, These are quite a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check these out in advance of recording. So the first message we have here is from Dave Curtins via WhatsApp. Dave writes, what do you think has gone on here? Has Mark Steele been pranked by a fop or has he stole a gag or is Roy real? So this is a clip from Mark Steele's in town On Radio 4. Uh, Have a little listen to this and you will see what Dave is on about.
1: There's an electrical shop here run by Roy and the reason I know this is because when I asked on Twitter if anyone from Bungie would like to say anything about the town, somebody wrote, Roy from Bungie sold a cordless drill and power pack and later received it as a Christmas present. (laughs) Minus the power pack.
5: That's, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? I'm very surprised that Mark Steele can't you know, clock the partridge gag in the power pack bit mm. of that story. Roy from Bungie, I'd say you can probably forgive that's pretty niche, but the power pack sort of joke is is one of the more well-known ones I'd have thought.
0: I like to think that there is 5% of that audience that's laughing extra hard because they get it and everyone else is just like, oh, what a funny story. <laughs> I think the only the only way that could have been any better is if Mark Steele laughed for 45 seconds and then cut to the news. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that, that would have been genuinely brilliant broadcasting. Um, all right, and Nick, I think you've got another bit of a partridge radio in the wild
5: for us. Absolutely, Uh, this comes in from Doug Waterson and he said um, perhaps many others have pointed this out to you Uh, No, 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 I think it was just you, Doug (laughs) Uh, but to be fair, it is a good one so he said there was a belter of a partridge drop on this week's episode of Radio 4's The Kitchen Cabinet. Host Jay Rayner asked a virtual audience who would you have for a meal and what would you have? John Driffield suggested a day out at Legoland with Sean Connery followed by a lamb lunch at the centre of Windsor, completely confusing the host it was an absolute groin wrecker (laughs) (laughs) um i mean that that is brilliant and i guess a bit like um the previous example you'd like to think there's a sort of um a selection of that audience that are kind of enjoying uh an extra level to kind of that Uh, and i think we've got a clip of that to play tom so we asked our twitter audience for their dream dinner parties not just who they'd invite but what they'd serve to chris dyke on twitter said gillian anderson seafood then chocolate ice cream end of thread well, thank you, Chris. Uh, Ruth Norris said, Omar Little. I think uh, Ruth is referring to the character from The Wire. So, Omar Little uh, and Margaret Atwood, because I think they'd get on famously, I'd serve a massive dial, spiced potatoes, naan and rice, followed by some after eights on the face. OK, fine. LAUGHTER and I'm not I'm not sure John Driffield quite fulfilled the brief, but he said I'd go to Legoland with Sean Connery, then afterwards we'd go for a lovely lamb lunch in the centre of Windsor. Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, you know, it's
1: it's nice to have a dream. Um, panel, it is your turn. Sue Lawrence, who would you have and what would you cook?
5: I like that there's kind of obviously some kind of canned laughter and it's very muted, like light chuckling, uh, not realizing that they've basically been set up by some kind of fop there. They've (laughs) been rinked by a Partridge
0: fan, haven't they? (laughs) I've been completely distracted by the idea of Omar from The Wire and Margaret Atwood playing the After Eight mint game, trying to eat it off their own faces without using their hands.
6: (laughs) 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 All all of those answers were very Partridge, weren't they? I think maybe just because we're aware of the context of how we're presenting this audio clip. But all of those suggestions, when you have like a name, a thing, in quite quick succession... It all just sounds very, very partridge because I think obviously we're used to it, but maybe it doesn't to other people. I don't know. Um, well, it, it just... clearly
4: didn't to Jay Rayner. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He had no idea what was going on. <laughs> there. That's that great.
5: Which I, I find really, a bit like the uh, Mark Steele thing, I find, I find really surprising. But hey. Well, um... I, I think with Mark Steele, he's a
4: comedian. You would think surely he knows what's going on. Jay Rayner, I think you can excuse him not knowing that
5: it's a partridge gag. And Doug has kindly supplied what he would like to do. He said a couple of laps of the M25, clockwise and anti clockwise, with Quentz, if he's back on driving terms with cars, followed by a picnic at South Mims. That obviously being Quentz, being Quentin Wilson, for those not familiar with the abbreviation there.
6: And as we come to the end of this feedback episode, in our new regular feature, we asked our listeners, our followers on socials, uh, what they would like to do on the bank holiday. So flowing in quite nicely from the uh, subject that Nick just covered. What are you doing this bank holiday and who's with you? We're going to go through them one by one, going round and round with each individual host. So uh, I think it'd be quite nice if we had a musical bed uh, underneath mm. this, perhaps Cuddly Toy by Roachford. So if Jed, if you could start playing that... Now
0: we'll go. Okay, Silent Screamer says Legoland with Sean Connery is out.
5: (laughs) Krilenko says, Sean Connery, when? Dean Tonner says Paragliding with Jay Blades, followed by a fish supper on Chroma Pier.
6: Lee Hicklin says a walk around the park with Michael Palin. It's sunny, but there's a gentle breeze.
0: Oasis Podcast, Truth Their Name, say Carol singing with Tony McCarroll. It's not even Christmas. Top banter.
5: Anthony Pearson says, Cats and Hammers. Roger Grace says, A morning at Norwich Castle with Giles Corran doing the escape rooms. Already been twice, so we'll blitz them before <laughs> a visibly impressed Giles. Then fish and chips at East Runton with one of the All Saints. Doesn't matter which.
6: Matt Andrews says he would like to kick off with a visit to one of the three major car boot sales in Hunstanton, Stanton. Running out of breath. In the company of the delectable, love that word, Leslie Ash. Lunch at a harvesters with Paul catamole
0: and rounding the day off with a rum-based cocktail at GGI, TGI Friday days with Desiree great greedy. William Money says sitting down this morning to a Judith Chalmers podcast on her tall tales from Wish You Were Here then in the afternoon blissfully clipping and watering my geraniums in the vestibule. Water way to have a good time.
4: Mantarick says I'd assemble some flat pack furniture from Ikea with George Alagaya and Ravir Singh. Then we'd sit in the garden and
5: listen to Harry Connick Jr. whilst enjoying egg and cress sandwiches. Tim O'Sullivan says I would take Philippa Forrester to the Hanworth British Legion Club for a pint and to feast on the finger buffet, followed by a relaxing drive on the M3 listening to Dexy's Midnight Runners.
6: Paul Gledhill would purchase a cheese sandwich from Boots and share it with Yvette Fielding on the beach. After that, we would go to Walton Pier and flout COVID restrictions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Vinnie Gerstroke said, a lingering visit to Greater Manchester Police Museum, a ploughman's and a pint of hoppy bitter for lunch, all in the company of QVC presenter Dale Franklin.
4: Chapleng says, I'd join a massive Argos queue with Colm Meaney to buy two flip phones, then spend the rest of the
5: day running around Birmingham pretending to be in Star Trek. Dirty13O says, I'd spend a day with Brian Harvey from E17 and Ant from Anton Deck at the National Motor Museum in Bewley. Afterwards, we go to the Ringwood Bre- Brewery for a guided tour, followed by a few jars of Old Thumper and a bag of pork scratchings. Lovely stuff.
6: Davey Twittle says he'd like to visit Coldport China Museum with Nigel Havers, followed by a slap up Burger King <laughs> at the Castle Farm <laughs> Interchange.
0: Chicken Crackling says, I'd go for a free eye test at Vision Express with Rebecca Brooks before queuing up and collecting the wrong order from a Costa drive-thru.
4: Graham Watkins would spend the day getting a Covid test performed by Hattie Jacks.
5: Steven Pocket says, I'd ask Wolf from Gladiators to help me pick up some treated timber gravel boards from Wix then reward him with a sausage <laughs> and bean melt from Greg's. He's welcome to a pastry if he wishes, but that is coming from his birds." <laughs>
4: So Wolf's got to pay, pay his way for <laughs> on that Essentially, yes. Yeah.
6: yes. <laughs> Harry Ford would like to hire a swan pedalo for an afternoon with Mel from
0: Mel and Sue, followed by a roast dinner and a Steven Seagal film marathon. James McCulloch says, lambing with Bob Carroll cheese, <laughs> but spit the dog must, I repeat must, <laughs> remain at a safe distance to not scare the sheep, and this is a deal breaker.
4: Andy McGrelin would go for a lovely walk at night with Professor Brian Cox. It would be cloudy, but he would bring some star maps.
5: Richie Emery says Bill Withers I take him to a cracking Sour Lank tree that I know
0: Sour Lank tree Sour Lank tree Leave that in Sour tree Leave <laughs> that in uh, uh, Sour Lank tree <laughs> Nick's had another one of his strokes Call a Bombulance
6: Where are we up to? Oh, Julie O'Toole, that's where we are. I'd go to TK Maxx with Richard Osman, followed by a Big John's, then maybe sit in the park with a couple
0: of cancer directors bitter. Uh, Adrian Conway says, Frank Boff, as long as we are both vaccinated, we could go bank holiday dogging in Paisley masks. And Leo Belchets says, attempted reconciliation with
5: Fernando and Denise in the Woking branch of Pizza Express, followed by <laughs> a sweat-free evening at a hot spot in London's trendy West End. Very clever. Richard
6: Neal would like to join Ross Kemp at Stowe... Mary's Airfield taking a bunch of underprivileged kids it must not I repeat not turn into an all day rave
0: Marcus Whitehead says I'm taking an electric scooter ride with Brian Blessed They're stopping off at KFC for a portion of chips each
4: and lastly for today Sean Taylor is partaking in competitive archery with Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet followed by a trip to Longstanton Spice Museum with Bill Oddy mm, bliss.
0: there we go uh, now my main takeaway from that list of the uh, fictional ideas for Back Holidays is that I'd completely forgotten about the existence of Philippa Forrester. Anyone else? <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah, That's the thing you take away from it. I'm not a
0: fan yeah. of the fact that
6: Marcus Whitehead is going to KFC with Brian Blessed and only getting chips. Yes yeah, some chicken, man. That's criminal. Yeah, but It's a portion ble- each. <laughs> Blessed's going to have
4: a bigger hunger than just a portion of chips, isn't he? That, that's a family bargain bucket for one, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no way he's reading the words bargain bucket on the menu and not choosing to say them in that voice. Um, so, bad news for those of you that are bored of the... These fictitious uh, celebrity bank holiday sketches there's going to be plenty more in another feedback episode coming up from us very shortly and of course this time with Alan Partridge series two is on the way and we will be covering that day and date uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us at all with Partridge theories reactions to the new episodes once they're live um, or just you know more stories of celebrity ideas you've got for bank holiday activities uh, Instagram at monkey tennis pod Twitter at the Partridge pod Facebook.com slash the Partridge pod the Partridge pod at gmail.com what's that voice notes you can call us on 07923 600 017. and if you like what you've heard for free i might add then go to ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis and you can shout us the price of a single cup of coffee which we will all share uh with straws or maybe just stump up enough for five coffees so even jed can have yeah one. adam i think we should um,
4: stress we probably shouldn't share due to uh coronavirus so it probably does have to be separate coffees each that's probably
0: quite important that is important, yes. Please do donate several coffees. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, thank you to all of you who got in touch, um, especially those of you that gave us your uh, your bank holiday suggestions. Every bank holiday that goes by, I think we're, like, we're going to run out, and every bank holiday you uh, supply them and they just get better and better. Um, so yes, we'll see you soon with more feedback from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Anna Partridge Fan Podcast. Thanks and goodbye. Don't I've got Philippa Forrester's number? Aha!
3: Done! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big bastard, you're a mentalist! Damn! type the house noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. I shake everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're like basically. Beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I, have, can I have a glass of water, please?
7: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,